Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 274th episode of the Tuesday <laughs> Night Podcast. One one attempt here. I'm your host, SBJ, and with me today, I have Logan. I'm your 270th co-host. <laughs> and uh, I also have Sean. Hey, I'm the one who pays for all this. SBJ, <laughs> the S in your name stands for sick today, right? Sick, yes, yeah. You I are just... sick, BJ. I just got back from PAX East and, uh, or sorry, yeah, PAX East. Can't remember what PAX, PAX I've been to, but, uh, I didn't really, PAX East solidified my sickness. Uh, I live with my girlfriend Irene and she is sick with something every other week and I've managed <laughs> to stay healthy for the past, like, year and a half and, I could tell, like, going, like, on my flight, I could tell, like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it through this weekend, but I did, like, I powered through it, like, the only thing I, like, knew up front was, like, I'm not eating a lot, but I was sleeping all right, and I was, I was hitting, hitting the floors, hitting the rooms, uh, and as (laughs) soon as I got home, I was like, yep, this, this is it, this is the end of the line. (laughs) Oh, no. But no, I, I guess I'd rather get sick, majorly sick after packs than before packs, right? Concrete is one of the worst things in the world, man. Yeah, but it's, you don't want you don't want to be too. like you don't want to be sick going there because you paid all that money to be there. Oh, absolutely. Right. Being being sick when you get home is absolutely preferable to being sick while you're at the con. Absolutely, it is. I'm just yeah. saying, concord is this weird kind of ultra disease that like it's just like your body shutting down and you know it's because you touched too many people. <laughs> it's not like so a cold where you're like, oh, I have a cold. Oh, just drink, eat some soup. It's like my whole body hurts and one of those motherfuckers didn't wash their hands. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's not like, like you can't go to the doctor and they diagnose right. it. You just have like a bunch of germs in you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, your body's just fighting everything right now. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to load up on some NyQuil tonight, and hopefully that should be good. Like, I'm, for, like, as sick as I felt, I probably felt, the, like, the most sick two hours of, of the last 24 hours, and I feel like I'm on a little bit of an upswing because I left her work early and I already took a nap before this, but we're not here to talk about me throwing up. We're here to talk <laughs> about board games and our experiences with board games. I played some stuff. At PAX that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I tried to get some inside scoops from some people in the industry. And mm. Sean, I heard, played some games too. That's right. Yeah. And I've got a new hipster, filthy vintage <laughs> board game buying habit. <laughs> filthy. <laughs> filthy, filthy. And Logan also, of course, played a bunch of games. Stuff uh, stuff he's already talked about, but but a couple new things. Sure, yeah. If you're If you're not tired... I mean, if you want to hear more about the the stuff we've already talked about, just go to my other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody's going anywhere. Everyone listens to this podcast and no others. Oh, very important to stay on this podcast for the duration. Right. Don't change the channel. Once you're done, you should just listen to more episodes of this podcast. Right. (laughs) And then when you're done with the entire back catalog, then you can move to very random encounters. The the entire legacy of the show. Sean, do we have an Alan update? I feel like I came back and Alan left, and that's, I mean, that's how it should be, but uh, what was the update there? <laughs> Alan uh, is in Guatemala right now, Guatemala, as I believe it's pronounced. Uh, his cousin, <laughs> Rachel, uh, has been living there for a few years, um, I want to say, uh, just working there, and she's finally moving back home to Ohio, and so he went down there to party with her. And uh, I think they're going to party in Mexico City as well. So he's down there. He's got internet. I'm sure I'm going to get a message from him tonight. 
that says, hey, nice. is the podcast up? What's going on? Is the podcast <laughs> fun? Because he loves this show. Yeah. Um, I want to say, like, for our listeners, he posted on Facebook that he was on the plane and did not have to use a wheelchair. So that's some some good news that's from That's huge. Alan Watch 2017, (laughs) if you see him. No, he just ran away with all our Kickstarter money and is starting a new life in Guatemala. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. That's the long con, right? You sucker people into two or three Kickstarters, and then you get them on the third one. That's the one. (laughs) The third smallest one that's only $5. (laughs) I think the format will will just be for the show that we're just going to go around and talk about games. Uh, I, I pulled one email that we'll tackle at the end of the show. And yeah, so I went to PAX East, first time at PAX East. I've now been to all the North American ones, uh, West and South. And East was probably overall my least favorite just because of how like busy it was. It was so much busier than than the other two. And and the other thing that really kind of bummed out the entire trip was just how cold it was (laughs) the entire time. Uh, in Boston, that's in, crazy. In Boston, yeah, it was it was four degrees for two days in a row. Nice, and it was it was rough. They also, uh, unlike the other two packs, uh, uh, the Boston Convention Entertainment Center or whatever they call it, had metal detectors all the way around it. Mm-hmm. So n- not only was it freezing, they wanted every single person to go through the metal detector who had a bag, which was everyone who goes to packs without a Beeping bag. Beeping right? and freezing. So, because of my speaker badge, I, I snuck through that, which which was nice. That was worth the trip. So, I was I was at PAX because I spoke about Pokemon. Uh, my other podcast had a panel. Uh, my other show is It's Super Effective. It's a Pokemon show. Uh, we filled the room completely. They gave us a 400-person room. We filled it. Uh, the, the PAX enforcers told me that they had to turn away over 50 people, uh, which Whoa. I guess is good. They wrote it down. They said, like, they have to report all the numbers, and when they have to report, they turned away people. That's good, even though it sucks for those people. Right. So speaking of the convention, there was... I, I play... They, I, I asked Sean about this, but they have something called a Kickstarter room, and they had a bunch of games in the Kickstarter room. They had, like, Vast, the Crystal Caverns, which I heard a lot of good things about at Gen Con. I don't know if you heard anything. You two heard anything. I bought uh, it. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll circle back. We'll circle back. They had Dragoon, they had Secret Hitler, they had Exploding Kittens, like a uh, a jumbo size Exploding Kittens, where the cards were probably six feet tall. Ooh. And, which was... Wow. I have that game, and I've never played that game, and I know what that game's about, but like, <laughs> seeing seeing that as big as it is, it's like, oh, now, now I want to play this. They had a couple other games uh, in that room. Oh, like, a couple non-board games, like Night in the Woods, and a couple other video games, but... Sean, you said you guys were in a Kickstarter room at one point. Uh, I think it was at Gen Con last year. Yeah. You know, they you get an invitation from somebody who works at Kickstarter that says like, hey, like your game was drawn some heat last year or somebody in the room recommended you. We need a spot filled, that kind of thing. And um, you go in there and you run some demos for your game. Big honor. Uh, always fun to be associated with success. <laughs> but yeah, the Kickstarter room's always a good time. Did you get invited to, like, a Kickstarter room-only after-party? Was that a thing? No. Although we did get invited to a Kickstarter after-party networking thing at a convention called XOXO Fest. Oh, okay. um, Which is where I met, uh, where we met uh, Max Schubert, Mackenzie Schubert, who we knew from the Penny Arcade show Strip Search, where he was one of the contestants. He's one of the uh, artists and illustrators. And we met him in that room just sort of randomly. We were sitting next to him. I was like, 
I think I recognized you from something. And he was <laughs> like, I don't think so. And I was like, oh my God, you were on strip search. And he was like, that might be the first time anyone's ever recognized me. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> strip search was like this uh, web series that Penny Arcade put on where uh, different um, web comic creators uh, competed, sort of like Survivor. Um, to it get a chance so to have good. their webcomic comic, I on cannot. Penny I cannot recommend that show more than. I mean, like, there's. It's great. It's so good. It's, it's got it so really much is. Like nobody is a loser in Strip Search. It's like Big Brother, no. but actually good. Yeah, right. all the artists are super talented. You're really pulling for everybody. But yeah, we met Mac and talked to him and had a great time and got to hobnob with. Um, some other Kickstarter people, some of the people who worked at Cards Against Humanity, um, some of the people who, you know, work in Kickstarter, uh, that kind of thing. Um, so it was fun. Awesome. So in so I played a game in the Kickstarter room, but I want to talk about Star Realms first, which I played on the floor with Will, part of B Team. First time? Or you uh, played before? First time. First time, Ooh. yeah. So like Will, <laughs> uh, if you guys have listened to past episodes, uh, Will loves deck building games, and he's never heard of Star Realms. And so I was like, oh, like... Sean has said a lot of good things about Star Realms. It's 15 bucks for a starter deck. They do this thing where they release like more decks and you can mash them together. And Star Realms also has like this great business model of not only do they sell you the game, they sell you a playmat, they sell you a deck box, they sell you a bigger deck box, they sell you <laughs> dice. Like they have gone down the entire route of making sure you get everything with Star Realms. Smart. Yeah, it's, it's really smart. And Star Realms is just like uh, simple deck building, right? Um, but mm -hmm. the biggest thing, uh, it's, you know, it's sci-fi, it's uh, fleet battles in space. But the biggest component is um, you have these ally powers. So if you play ships from the Red Fleet, um, they often set each other off to do extra stuff if there's another ship from the Red Fleet out. So when you're building your deck from the communal cards in the middle, you're sort of incentivized to either continue buying cards of the same color so you can increase their synergy or buy cards to counter somebody else's strategy, right? Like, so if somebody's getting right. a bunch of draw, you might want to go for a lot of aggro, that kind of thing. I, I think Star Realms, like, there's two things that are great about, well, I mean, there's a lot of things that are great about Star Realms, but one is that there's two win conditions, so you can win, like, by having the most victory points, but then everybody also has HP, so you can directly attack a person, which I think is missing in a lot of competitive deck builders. Um, I didn't. Maybe the person didn't teach it to me right. I knew nothing about victory points. Will and I just attacked each other the entire time. That's normally how the game ends up, but I th I think there's an end condition where you where you win with victory points. Is that right? Maybe I'm. It's been no, a long it's just time life. Um, you just it's kill just each life? other. Okay. Yeah, there are mission cards that you can buy. Um, so maybe that has something to do with it, and that's more for like co-op play or solo play. Uh, they have a good app for it too. Yeah, maybe. Okay, it's been a long time, so maybe I'm getting the wires crossed. But I know that I loved the PvP element. Like, there's direct, like you are attacking someone, which you know, in like Dominion or Ascension or whatever, it's it's kind of like everybody's playing solitaire together, and mm -hmm. it can still be super enjoyable. But I really like directly attacking another player and then also like the base game is really cheap but it's only like oh, a yeah. two-player thing but then you can buy two of them and now it's four players yeah and i i love that that's the that's the deal like if you want to if you need just a two-player game then it's a pretty cheap game if you need a four-player game it's still a pretty cheap game and it's super portable because they're just two little boxes but you know you just buy another one 
I, I liked that. White Wizard, the company behind this. I mean, because this game, is, it's not old, but it feels old because they've done... I think 2014. They did Epic, which is uh, like a mm-hmm. two-player card game that's really, really a stripped-down version of Magic. Yeah. And then they've done Hero Realms, which is the fantasy version of Star Realms, which I haven't played, but I'm not as interested in. And right. now they just finished up the Kickstarter for the Hero Realms uh, online computer version. Hero Realms has like a legacy sort of deal, right? Like, like you can have characters that level up, I believe. I have not played it. I, so yeah, I, I don't know. know. I, I remember watching the Kickstarter and thinking like, huh, that's that's neat, but not neat enough that I want to buy a whole different game. <laughs> I get because less and less looks- interested in like fantasy kitchen sink type games where it's like there's yeah. orcs and there's elves these yeah. days because um, I'll just play D&D if that's what I want. I, yeah. If I see a new fantasy game, I want it to be like... I'll just watch um, Shrek. <laughs> what the... Oh, wait, we can say curses. What the fuck? <laughs> SBJ. Joke, joke really paid off there, eh? <laughs> I like killed the momentum here. I'm like, <laughs> I played two rounds of Star Realms, right? So first time I played, first time Will played, and he seemed to enjoy it, but not enough to buy it on the spot. I, I it's fine. That's all I can say. Like I have nothing. I guess if I was to say something bad about it, I just didn't dig the theme. It just seemed very generic. I don't I know. That's what they're going for. Like with Star Realms and Fantasy Realms, it's just like generic, generic space. space, generic fantasy. Yeah, so no, it was it was fine. I guess like when I think of deck building, I I think of Dominion, and then I also think of trains, and I really really like trains. And man, I finally choo-choo. got trains, and I'm like on the trains train now. <laughs> trains it's is really good. Trains I think is like also better than Dominion because like what Logan said is Dominion kind of feels like solitaire. Everyone's playing their own game and just kind of like living among each other. And trains. It's a little more like Star Realms, except you're not directly attacking, but you are, like, blocking people's paths just because of when you lay down your railroad to get across, you're, you're building across the map. So it's, it's, it's going to be inevitable uh, that you cross your train lines with other people, and that causes the price to go up and competition to happen, and you to maybe change your route. Kind of like a little bit like Ticket to Ride, but not as, it's not like the path is blocked off completely. Have, have you... Or has is have either of you played Tyrants of the Underdark? I haven't. It's no. it's it is trains, but there's it's uh it's like uh D and D themed. Yeah, um, not so interested. The... I I want my I want my trains. You can't get that theme <laughs> anywhere. Right. I and I get it, but there's there's a ton more player interactivity in Tyrants of the Underdark. I think it's a really well done game. It's it's kinda like you know how Ascension was sort of uh, an echo of Dominion and sort of improved on a couple of things. Yeah, I, th- I feel like it's the same same deal, but for trains. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Sean, but if you don't like the theme, you like the theme. Yeah, yeah. You can't get trains anywhere. Sean, what have you been playing? Let's see. Last night, I was hanging out with my friends. We took a break from uh, our D&D campaign to board game a little bit. And we played uh, Exploding Kittens and Guillotine. Because uh, my gaming group are not hardcore gamers. Um, I have to really coax them out of their shell. So, like, we have that thing where it's like, it's guillotine. And if you haven't played it, it's just a super simple game where you play an action card and then uh, you take uh, a noble from the front of this line of nobles who are all going to get their heads chopped off and you get points for, you know, different nobles. So, like, uh, what's her name? Um, Marie Antoinette is worth more than, like, Robespierre, that kind of thing. But it's mm-hmm. the kind of group where somebody's like, playing an action card and the action doesn't work the way they mean and you're like yeah that's not really what it means and they're like oh but i mean can i just do it 
Like it's like you're a dick for sort of pointing it out. And I'm not a huge rules lawyer. So I tend to be like, yeah, I mean, that's just my interpretation of it. If you want to take that head because you think that's fine, it is not going to ruin my night, you know? Yeah. Um, but I was really happy. They didn't want to play Flamme Rouge, which made me sad, mostly because oh. they're all nerds. And I don't I think they were like a game about biking. That's dumb. How do I get Flamme Rouge? I have been obsessed with this ever since you guys reviewed it on here. And I like. Oh, we don't review like, Logan. We just openly I mean, discuss. <laughs> when you openly discussed it. But I, I need it. You can get it from. Uh, there's some people selling it on Amazon. I I got it through. I'll send you the website. I got it through some import site that Chris Bryan from Board with Life turned me on to. He actually offered to go in splitsies with me so we could share shipping. And then I was like, cool, let's do that. And he was like, oh, sorry, man, I already bought it. <laughs> See, but, uh, on, on Amazon, it's $120, Sean. That's yeah, that's price. much. That's, that's the gold <laughs> That's just right a regular there. cool many or not board game, man. <laughs> Did you guys see Eric Lang got made? Uh, he's like the head designer now over at Cool Man or Not. Whoa, it's news that's today cool. that got announced. Yeah. Eric Lang, the designer of uh, Blood Rage and I think Chaos in the Old World, just super veteran, like 20 year plus game designer. Um, he had like and, 10 games come out at Gen Con this year. Yeah, I, I and they were all up, really um, good. Yeah, I picked up Bloodborne and it wasn't my favorite, but. I didn't love Bloodborne, but right. mostly because it's that, to me, it's like. So Bloodborne is a card game. It's a cooperative card game based on the Bloodborne video game series. But a lot of those games end up feeling very samey to me. Very yeah, like I, I definitely thought it was generic. But but like a well done version of that kind of game. But you're exactly right. And like it's always depressing to me to see like okay Bloodborne. It's not like groundbreaking. I mean it's like Demon Souls. It's by the same team. But like that whole series is like a top of the line AAA series in. Uh, video games right and the bloodborne card game is like a solid card game particularly for a licensed product but it's always hard when it's like this is chess the movie (laughs) the revolutionary (laughs) board game now is a movie on cinemax or whatever like you get something lost in the translation you know what i mean yeah like how good is a mario card game gonna be because mario's correct form it's like correct medium is a video game you know yeah i let me tell you i I work I like I'm trying to get some kind of board game that works just so I could say I designed a board game. But one of the first things that I tried to do was make Mario Kart into a board game, which I thought would be real easy. But no, it was really unfun and stupid. So there's, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of stuff you got to factor in. <laughs> you should just Look, take Flamme Rouge and add powers onto it. I what I was trying to do was like basically do um, Formula D and add powers onto it, but it Ooh. did not work out. Did Formula D is like a weird, fun game. Like it's I fun and game. It, it's not. I I know that it's polarizing because a lot of my friends absolutely hate that game, but I I'm in love with that game. Yeah, I like it too. And like I show it to so many people, and it's like, oh, it's simple, and they just they just don't dig it. I don't I don't I don't know. Oh yeah, uh, we also played a lot of. Um, Deception, Murder in Hong Kong, which I feel like we've talked about on the show before, but uh, social deduction, no player elimination, very similar to Mysterium. Uh, One of you is a forensic scientist um, who's trying to lead everybody else in the group to uh, the correct clues, a piece of a means of murder and a piece of evidence. Um, However, the twist is that one of the other investigators is actually the moiderer. Um, What I liked most about this game, uh, my group had never played it before. One, it's super simple. 
uh, to set up. Like the rules are not much more than what I've told you here. Um, but two, it's the kind of game that gets better the more times you play it in a night because you get this sort of continuity built up between the games. Um, not just like, well, last time they were the murderer, so this time I don't trust them, but sort of things like um, one of our investigators, uh, because the way the forensic scientist communicates is by uh, basically placing these tokens on certain words, um, and that's the only way they can communicate evidence to us. So it might uh, they might have a card that says cause of death, and they might place a token Cause behind. of death ghost? Cause of death ghost. <laughs> <laughs> they might place a token on a severe, severe head injury or some, uh, you know, severe injury or poisoning or suffocation or whatever. Right. Yeah. But you can see the list that they had to choose from. So uh, playing a token on one word means inherently that you're not playing it on the other words. But the first game, everybody was really new. So they were like, oh, suffocation. We just talked about suffocation. Then in the second game, somebody had, was like, well, they if they had wanted to they could have played you know blunt force trauma and they didn't so that rules out this card so like the more games you play as more people start to interpret the the words and the tokens and the sort of game differently the way you investigate the crimes evolves to where by the third or fourth game rather than it being easier and simpler it's more complex right because you have the sort of the bluff the double bluff the triple bluff type of (laughs) effect going into play you know um yeah uh, which I really loved. So um, it was really cool to see them sort of start off like fledgling, like, well, we're not sure, you know, and then by the end sort of develop into sort of like full grown investigators who were hot on the trail of the serial killer. We have a new person in our group and uh, she's really shy. And uh, so I'm trying to figure out how to, how is best to like teach her in these environments because um, it's it's tough playing a board game in front of people when it's like you could lose, you know, capital L lose. Um <laughs> And she was doing things like, like, you each get a turn to present your information, right? And say, this is my theory. And as opposed to Werewolf or the Resistance or even Tombs and a Boom or Mafia or anything else, when it's your turn, when the spotlight's on you to present your theory, no one else is allowed to talk. You just present your theory. There's times hmm. for everybody to talk later, but when, you know, you're saying, this is what I want to do, it's more like a presentation. And she was the only person I've ever seen just say, can I pass? Oh, and I was no. like, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. You can pass, you know, and it was more that like, I forget that a lot of the way I work things out is externally, right? I talk things through. I want to present. That's kind of like the sort of, um, you could say confident, but you could also say like self-absorbed part of me that sort of <laughs> wants to work this stuff out verbally right in front of everybody else and say, this is my theory. This is what I think is happening. I almost always threw my badge down and say, I could solve the crime before anybody else did. <laughs> um, just because I was like, I want to do this and get it over with. Um, but other hero. people aren't like that. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's a very strange thing because like, I don't know, just different groups are different. And when you invite somebody, if somebody's new, they don't really know what the vibe is anyway, especially if somebody's new to board games in general. Like, is this more of a casual game or? Right. In depth. Or is it like safe to lose? And I think, you know, I've been playing a lot of board games with my niece and nephew and um, and and showing them that there are lots of different ways to engage in the game, that there's not yeah. just playing the game. For instance, when I play Majors Academy uh, with my nephew, who's a little bit older, he picks his cards. I pick my cards. We go. But when the niece helps, she's younger. And what she does, her whole job is the math. Her job is <laughs> to like spend our mana and to deal our damage and that kind of stuff. I do all the play, but I say like, okay, we have nine mana. Why don't you pick a card that's less than nine? And she goes and finds a cool card that's less than nine. And it's funny because like, 
you know, I worked on that game, and I'm not, like, an amazing player, but if she picks some random enchantment and just hands it to me and is like, this is the card you have to play, <laughs> I can do okay with that, right? Like, it's not yeah. just a losing proposition. Um, and so all three of us are engaging that same game on different levels, right? My nephew yeah. is playing it all by himself, trying to figure it out, trying to keep track of all the tokens. I've played it a billion times, so I'm playing with this handicap of having a six-year-old <laughs> choose my cards. And right. then the six-year-old is playing it where it's a math game. She's looking at the pretty pictures and trying to add up the totals, but she's still totally engaged. That, anyway, that that's a long way like, to say. That's like, okay, that reminds me of a, like a parallel experience where I recently was playing some games with my more casual group of friends and there was a newer person in there and we were playing Telestrations, which is a super casual game. But like enough of us had played it that we like knew the vocabulary of the game. Uh, I don't know if anybody like Telestrations is like a game like telephone where you are, you write a phrase on a, like a marker board. There's like little flip marker boards and everybody writes their phrase and passes it to the left. Then everybody looks at the phrase, flips their little flipboard and then draws as best they can. The phrase then passes that to the left. The next person guesses what the phrase was and it, it goes around until you've got your own, pad back and then you go through and see the evolution of what happened to your phrase well one of the people like the newer the newer player he was super bad at drawing or interpreting what it was but and and so we were like we were making fun of him but then also letting him know like this is the reason why this game is fun because like drawful, if everybody right? got everything right Oh, no, it was uh, Telestrations. No, I mean, it's but, like Drawful, though. Like, the point of the yeah. game is, like, everyone is a bad drawer right. artist on if, their iPhone. If every if everyone was, like, amazing, then the, the drawings would just be, like, potted plant. Uh, they drew a really good potted plant, and then the next thing was potted plant, and then they drew a great potted plant. But if you get somebody in there who draws, who, like, doesn't understand what a potted plant is and says, looks like a spaceship to me, then that puts you on this trajectory to very funny drawings so i don't know you need well i think telestrations is a good example of a game that really facilitates new people because if they don't understand the vocabulary of the game it makes it funnier everything is better because somebody is new yeah and it just sort of goes to show that like games are really great and this is one of the things that i sort of fall in love with them they can be a very safe place for engaging in a lot of different kinds of activity, right? Yeah. Like learning how to lose, learning how to win, learning how to like think through hard decisions or make decisions under pressure, um, or just learning how to like how to play, how to let go of the things that like happened before you got to the table and just be in the moment where you are right now, not worrying about, you know, what you look like or, you know, stuff from work, just like really engaging in some play. Um, yeah. But not everybody is going to be doing all of like all those things or even the same thing at the same time. And that that is also okay. You know, and you learn that a lot in role-playing games, right? Like the guy who yeah. wants to make the funny voices is probably not the same person that wants to do the whole like tactical combat thing, but there's room for both <laughs> of them at the same table, which is cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about one more game and then, then read the email and then we'll wrap up. I, I think we all played other stuff, but I'll, I played world championship Russian roulette. For the uh -oh. first time since I originally played it, but I Give won't talk about me. it. I won't talk about it this episode. I'll make I'll make Sean and okay. Alan sweat uh, one extra week. <laughs> I love it. That's great. <laughs> but uh, I played a game in the Kickstarter room. What I said earlier uh, called Dragoon. Oh yeah. And 
Dragoon was phenomenal art, and I, I it's took gorgeous, a, picture, a gorgeous game. Took a picture of it and sent it to Alan and Sean. I asked why, like more, Sean, why, why do people not use cloth boards? Why is it always like this janky cardboard flat surface? Like a, it's got to be a cost thing, um, because that's sort of the thing about manufacturing is that you make all your money on scale, right? So, like, if you have a machine that can pump out you know, a million cardboard boards, like in an hour, that's way more effective than like having to source out a very unique individual component, like a cloth thing. Now, if you found somebody who can do that, that's awesome. But a lot of the major manufacturers, I'm not saying they can't, I'm sure they can, but it's just the more niche an item is, the more expensive it is. And so the more integral it has to be to your, to the play of your game for it to be worth the added expenditure. So the the two things that drew me to, uh, I, I had enough time to either play Vast or to play Dragoon, and I, honestly, Vast was the game I wanted to play because I've heard so much, so many good things about it. I've also heard a couple. I th- I don't think Shut Up and Sit Down liked Vast very much, but Dragoon was shorter, and and the cloth it had the cloth board. It had like these l- heavy metal pieces, and what it is is everyone is a dragon. On your turn, you can do. Th- like three things you can move three spaces you can move two spaces and uh, capture a village or you can move one space destroy a village and then move another space uh and then for free actions you can play any cards you have in your hand i think you can also like spend an action to discard a card uh and draw a new one but i played this with irene with uh will and uh my friend kelly Oh, I, f- I totally forgot. I played it with the the designer, one of the which which nice. I th- think is I don't know. Like I f- I feel like that's the preferred way to play a board game, right? <laughs> first time I played Two Rooms and Boom was with Sean and Alan, and uh, I played Smash Up with the creator there, which, which is actually the same creator as Guillotine. Paul Alan would know instantly, mm-hmm. but everyone like loved it except me, and maybe I don't. Hmm. It just seemed very simple, and it was. It was very strategic for what you could do and how you would do things, but also a little bit limited in like you feel like three turns isn't enough. It's it's competitive, right? So you're trying to get more points and you can attack the other dragons. They can attack you. Those dragons take over villages. You go to those villages to take those over instead. I, I, I just loved it. Probably if I didn't have to like suitcase it back, I probably would have bought it on the spot, right? Uh, but I don't see a place for it on my shelf just because I don't get, I, I'm in a play group where, oh, I'm going to attack you because I want the three points and I want you to lose three points because you're winning. And that person, the group takes it personally, right? Instead of thinking, uh-huh, yeah. no, dude, I'm not attacking you because like I'm a bully. I'm attacking you because that's the point of the game. And it's not super cutthroat, but it's still, you're a dragon, you're, re- you're, you're wreaking havoc. You want to get other dragons out of your way because you want the most points. It's just more of a direct confrontation type of game. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I know they have a Kickstarter going right now for an expansion, and we didn't play with that, but perhaps the developer, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. I think it was Zach something. I can't imagine. And may, and I, you and Alan probably feel this as well with like World Championship Russian Roulette and your other games. I can't imagine playing your own game three days straight. I, they have to be burnt out, right? Or you have to go like you either have one of two oh, mindsets. Yeah. Like I like this game so much that it's no big of no big it's not a big deal, or hey, maybe this game isn't as good after play two hundred. It's <laughs> tough, man. It's tough to bring that same consistent energy every single time to every game. 
Um, and that's one of the amazing talents sort of Alan has um, that I definitely don't have. So I admire him sort of doubly for that um, is, uh, you know, bringing a positive experience to each demo that you run. Uh, we've definitely looked at games in our pipeline and, and said, like, OK, this is a great game. Do we think we can demo this excellently for the next two, three, four years? Because if we can't, you know, like that is going to make it exponentially harder to sell. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I and and like what you're saying about Alan, like every time, I mean, just my introduction to Alan was making me excited about two rooms and a boom. You know, he he really does a good job, and clearly he had played thousands and thousands of that of games of two rooms and a boom before I, you know was in one of those games but it just you know he knew all the rules and explained them well and i don't know that's that's a rare thing yeah yeah i kind of have two two things i look for when when i buy a board game now and the first one is can i play it before i buy it which is probably the most important thing i consider now uh and the second one is does this game replace anything on my shelf or is there something like this that i would rather play instead hmm only playing Dragoon once, I was like, I just love the way this game looks. I love the pieces. I think it's so simple enough to teach other people, but I don't know if it would get to the table anytime soon. And so I, I didn't pull the trigger on it. Hmm. But it, it, it's interesting nonetheless. The cloth board is just, I want everything to have a cloth board now. <laughs> uh, let's end the, speaking of beautiful games, actually, Will, not 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 B team will, but Will writes in and says, "Beautiful game design." I just wanted to encourage you to take a look at Archipelago. It has some of the best artwork I've seen in a game. I've enjoyed just sitting and making various island setups with hex tiles. The game is fun and strategic, but can be incredibly long, especially if playing with AP prone players. I don't know what AP means. AP means uh, analysis paralysis. Players who. Uh, get overwhelmed by the amount of options, and they oh, want okay. to make the perfect choice. Uh, which oh, oh gosh, which if you is, have that, don't play Gloomhaven. That's which like, is why disclaimer doesn't hit my table as often as I'd like. On a different note, are you planning on touching on some of the suggestions for SBJ's Arena Battle Game idea? And any has any progress been made on that? It seemed like a game that he was more likely to be working on. Love the podcast and the games you make. Keep up the good work, Will. Uh yeah, so uh I am still working on the the battle arena game and it's it's very off and on uh, especially just because of packs and I'm I'm doing two more expos uh in April. So I'm trying to get to it. I'm I'm doing the thing where I'm I'm like buying little components because you can go to like all these game crafting sites, right? And you can just buy like two dice. And I th- I think that helps motivate me to to like continue working on it of of like, oh, I just got these two little dice in the mail. Now I want to try them out. I want to play the game instead of having like a, a yeah. regular dice with stickers on it. So obviously that w- that wouldn't be final, but it's it's like these little motivations that kind of bring me back uh, to working on it. But uh, there was a bunch of emails about it and we probably would have talked about it by now, but I was I was missing for a couple of weeks and then. I, I played a bunch at PAX, so I wanted to talk about that. So, uh, yes, that'll be brought up in the future. And thank you to everyone who who wrote in for that. Uh, hopefully, I can talk about it more. But it, it's kind of like a a side project for me. And yeah, I'm I'm excited to hear more about it personally. 
Yeah, I think what you said at the beginning of the show is is, is board games are kind of hard to make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've I've had so many ideas and I like I want that to be something I I have under my belt. And here I am on this podcast. Uh so I have like an in, you know, but it's not it's not an easy thing. You got an in. You got Sean and Allen. I got Sean and Allen. I got the ears anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh let's wrap up here just because I need to go to bed. I'm so sick. Yeah. Um Aww. You guys had a bunch to talk about. Hopefully we can get to that next week. Uh, maybe we can get Alan back. But if you have any questions, emails, comments, or concerns, you can shoot an email over to podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Uh, goal is to at least read one one email uh, an episode. I think that's a, a great route to go down. But uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter or communicate there, you can follow Logan at Logan Jenkins on Twitter. You can follow Sean at Sean McCoy. Me at Dragging a Lake. And you can follow Tuesday Night Games on Twitter, which is where the best place to follow if the podcast is a, a day late or a, a dollar short. That's going to be at PlayTKG on Twitter. But yeah, guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Otherwise, this episode is... Finished! <laughs>